Welcome to Anchored, a podcast brought to you by The Word Unleashed, the preaching and teaching ministry of Tom Pennington. For more of Tom's content or to connect with us, visit our website at www.thewordunleashed.org. Now here's Tom exalting God's glory, explaining God's truth. Bad to the bone, a study in human depravity. And I'm about to ruin something you enjoy. Most of you probably enjoy bread. My wife thinks it's the primary food group. Bread in our culture is made from commercially produced yeast. But yeast wasn't always commercially produced. Before the mid-1800s, it was simply used from natural occurring places and substances. Yeast is a single-celled microscopic organism of the fungus family. Yes, there's fungus in that bread you enjoy so much. There are about 600 different species of this fungus. Bakers put yeast into bread, into dough to make it rise. It's also used in the production of beer and wine and other alcoholic beverages. Yeast exists almost everywhere in our world, especially the air. In fact, before commercially produced yeast, and where you would mix that commercially produced yeast with your dough, they would simply make the dough and set it outside in open air, and yeast in the air would find it and develop, begin to develop on that piece of dough. They reproduce rapidly, and they grow especially well in substances containing sugar of some kind. Yeast cells reproduce by splitting in two, or by budding, as it's called. In budding, part of the cell wall of the yeast swells and forms a new growth called a bud. The bud then breaks off and becomes an independent cell, and they just reproduce constantly. Yeast fungi lack chlorophyll, the green matter that green plants use to make their own food, and so therefore, yeast must rely on other sources for food. They feed on sugar from a variety of natural sources, including fruit, grain, nectar, also from molasses. And then they produce, from what they've eaten, chemicals called enzymes or ferments that break down their food. Yes, I'm not going to get graphic, but essentially that good stuff in your bread is something that they produce as a result of having eaten. If you examine yeast under a microscope you could see that it moves so quickly, it appears to actually explode into the next cell in bread. It's a microscopic stealth weapon. It's not surprising because of that that the Scripture often uses yeast as an image of sin. Yeast or leaven as an illustration of human sin because it spreads quickly and silently with deadly results. That's exactly what happened in the Garden of Eden when Adam chose to sin. No clearer or more profound expression of the the effects that are caused by human sin exist in our world than the far-reaching effects of Adam's sin in Genesis chapter 3. And that's where I want us to go back to tonight, Genesis chapter 3. Tonight I want us to examine the immediate results of the fall, and in a couple of weeks... We're going to move beyond the immediate results, but we're going to look at how the fall has affected each of us, which is really where we want to go 
in this study of depravity, understanding how Adam's sin has affected every one of us. We'll get there in a couple of weeks, but tonight, in the time we have, I want us to look at how the fall affected Adam and Eve. And, of course, there are lingering results to us as well. You'll see yourself in Adam and Eve as we study them tonight. So what are the immediate results of the fall? We saw the last time that Adam and Eve chose to sin. We traced that pattern. What were the results? Well, first of all, a marred image of God. We saw a couple of weeks ago how in Christ the original image of God in man is restored and renewed. The reason that needs to be renewed is because the fall immediately desecrated the image of God in man. Let me just give you a feel for that. You'll remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about the various aspects of the image of God in man. For example, the moral aspects. Because we're made in the image of God, we're morally accountable. But because of the fall, we now seek instead moral freedom. I want to do what I want to do. I don't want to be bound by the laws of God. I don't want to be bound by the morality of the character of God. Instead, I want moral freedom. Because we're made in the image of God, we have an inner sense of right and wrong, the substance of the law written on our hearts. But because of the fall, we suppress that truth, as Romans 1 says. We ignore that truth. We suppress the conscience. And we, what Paul says, we sear the conscience. Because we don't want to hear the voice of God in conscience. The spiritual aspects of the image of God in man, we saw that we are able to respond to God just as the members of the Trinity respond to each other. We're able to praise God, to pray. Because of the fall, we now choose to worship other gods. Oh, maybe not a god of iron or clay or wood. Maybe a god of our own making. Maybe we even fall down before ourselves. But we now worship. We're made to worship, as Ted Tripp reminded us a few weeks ago. Every person is made to worship. But now, instead of worshiping God, we worship other gods. We redirect the proper worship that God alone deserves to creatures and to things. The mental aspects of the character of God in us or the image of God in us, we have an ability to reason, to think logically and abstractly, something animals don't have. This is part of the image of God in man, and yet because of the fall, we now have darkened minds. Paul often refers to the mind of unbelievers as having been darkened. Now our logic is irrational. There's nothing more illogical than sin, and yet we embrace it. We think poorly Considering themselves to be wise, Paul says, they became what? Fools. It's because of the fall. That wonderful reflection of the image of God has been terribly, terribly marred. We have the ability to use complex, abstract language. Now we use that language not to build up, not to edify, as we saw a few weeks ago on Sunday morning. Now we use it to curse and to maim and to hurt others. Part of the image of God, but terribly marred. We have an awareness of the distant future because God has placed eternity in our hearts, Solomon tells us in Ecclesiastes. But now we choose, because of the fall, to deny that reality, to ignore it, which is where most people are, 
or to fear it, or a combination of the three. Creativity, that natural ability given to us as part of the image of God to create in art and literature and all of these wonderful reflections of the character of God, we now take that creativity and we pervert it for the expression of sin. If you don't believe that's true, go to a local art exhibit. Part of the mental gift of the image of God in man is a greater degree and complexity of emotions, as we saw. But now we express those emotions in sinful passions of anger and fear. Part of the marred image concerns our relationships. We were made to be relational. We have a depth of interpersonal harmony that reflects the relationship within the Trinity. And yet because of the fall, we now become distant and aloof from others. People become islands willing to live completely by themselves and for themselves. Refuse to love anyone but ourselves. Marriage is a reflection of the equality that's within the Trinity but with different roles. That's a reflection of the image of God, but we seek to throw that off, throw off our God-ordained roles to, to be somebody else, to be something else. And finally, in the physical aspect of the image of God, God obviously doesn't have a body, but we discovered that part of the image of God is that we have in our bodies a suitable, immortal instrument to express our human nature. Immortal, not in the sense that this body is, our sinful body is immortal, but in the sense that we will always have a body. In God's grace, a new and perfect body. But it's an instrument to express our human nature, and yet, instead, we yield our members as instruments of unrighteousness, Paul says. You see how the fall permeated the image of God in man. It took all of God's good gifts and it warped and perverted and marred them. Or as John Calvin said, that after the fall, the image of God in man was deformed, vitiated, mutilated, maimed, disease-ridden, and disfigured. That's exactly right. There's still just a mere shadow of the former glory. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Anchored Podcast. If you'd like to access additional content from Tom, or if you're interested in partnering with The Word Unleashed, please visit our website at www.thewordunleashed.org and be sure to connect with us on social media. We look forward to studying God's Word together with you on the next episode of Anchored.